you know, the boss put the, we will come for you slogan across the back of it, you know, which is kind of a big statement. That's another thing that, you know, the guys have to live up to every day. Like that's a bold statement, you know, firehouse vigilance presents the weekly scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is weekly scrap number 68. My special guest tonight is Garrett Rice, originally from California. I won't hold it against him because he did go to the great state of Texas. Uh, He started in wildland firefighting out there and then moved to Rowlett, Texas, where he promoted up through the ranks. Uh, In his last year there, he was honored as as the officer of the year. And then after that, went to the colony where he took a position as the battalion chief, which that's where you're currently at now. He's been involved in training, UL studies, writes articles, teaches classes um, across the country. Chief Garrett Rice, it is my pleasure to have you on today as guest of Weekly Scrap number 68. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Corley. To everyone tuning in and watching live, if you have questions for me or Chief, please don't hesitate to send them in the comments. Uh, Anything I need to add to the intro? No, that's... Probably a little inflated. <laughs> I try to do good research so I can say, you know, get it on. So Joey Hayes says, game on. Dennis Laguerre said, hello, Garrett Rice. And James Conner said, looking forward to this. Awesome. So we're already all great, getting. All great dudes. Uh, all right. I'm kicking it off because first, right out the gate, and I know it's happy New Year's to you, sir. We uh, made it through 2020. You are the second guest of 2021, and it's it started off to be a great year. Um in honor of the new year, I'm not even going to ask about the craziness of the world or anything. I'm going to dive straight off into firefighter stuff. Cool. So you ready to do this? Yeah. I've been excited about this one. Um, I creeped on your Facebook page and, and went, went looking for information and stuff to talk about to you. And a few days back, you posted the engine company logbook. Yep. Uh, I think it was Tom Johnson, the Fit to Fight Fire guy, who said, is there anything you, do- you guys don't get right at the colony? One of his comments there. Uh, talk to me about those logbooks, where the idea came from, how you heard about it, how you're involved in it. <clears throat> Just go. Um, so the logbook is an interesting thing. I mean, we're all connected through this this uh, social media interweb thing. Um, and years ago, I met a guy, Adam uh, Mayers, at uh, I was at Portland at PDX. I was teaching with uh, Gary Lane and some other guys. They invited me up and uh was teaching an engine company class and i gotta meet adam he's just a really super dude and um he's kind of got this whole engine zero movement thing going on in in wyoming and so um i've kind of stayed up with him through the years and he put together this book um these log books and it's kind of cool it it's got like your you know, the date, the, the length of hose stretch, what it was, you know, and then a page number. And then you kind of go to the front where the page numbers are and you would jot down notes that you might've learned, you know, anything that you you took away from these hose stretches. Our guys in the colony stretch every single day. And, um, the thing about it is, um, if we don't capture that, if we don't write down those lessons, then, uh, that stuff's going to be gone, you know, and, and, you know, these people will move on. So, you know, the great thing is to have a new guy come in and be able to flip through the books and, and look at some of the notes, you know, when, when you go up to the back of the rig and you grab the, the minute man and you turn back around, you have to turn a specific way. 
Like, why do we have to make the mistake in order to learn it? So those are all little um, things that the guys can, you know, put in there. And I presented them to the guys and just said, hey, man, I think this might be something cool. Um, you know, maybe we can try it out. You know, maybe next year we can, uh, you know, after we fill these up, we'll make our own books. But the best ideas have to win out. So it didn't matter where it came from. It didn't have to be generated from from my guys or from the colony. Um, you know, Adam's part of the American Fire Service, and he had a great idea. And it's, you know, why reinvent the wheel? So he had, I think he had it on uh, Lulu, and it was, like, you know, 11 bucks or something like that. And an easy thing to, you know, to give to, to my two engine companies that are running and stretching and, you know, kind of doing that daily. That's awesome, man. I, I love that, man. And just like you said, just the ability to – uh, create the heritage with the legacy of the book. You know, you can't have legacies unless you build them. And I love that. Yeah. I think to have that and to look, be able to look back on it, you know, and I think even in, in a year to be able to look back and say, man, we stretched 30,000 feet of hose, whatever, you know, I don't know how much they stretch, but I mean, every day, you know, a couple hundred feet's coming off and every shift seems to be doing that. So um, thought that was pretty cool. No, that is. And I think I saw someone in the comments talk about a ladder book that, that should be made. And so more ideas are coming from it. And can, yeah. how many feet of ladder have been thrown in the year and things like yeah. that. So that would be, and so where can you get that? Uh, you said Lulu or is it, it, was, on, it was on Lulu and I, and I'll try to find the link. You know, I tried to go back and look for it tonight and I don't know if Adam did a 2021 punch out of Facebook, but I struggled to find him that or he unfriended me. That, that would be awful, huh? <laughs> <laughs> to find out that way. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure he just kind of punched out and uh, maybe he's on hiatus. I don't know. Somebody can maybe chime in where do a, a buddy check on Adam, see where he went. But uh, good deal. I'm sure that link is somewhere. All right. So moving on, you say just last week you were on truck company misfits, the podcast. <laughs> Good, good dudes. Podcast. Good podcast. Good episode, man. I listened to it today again, doing the prep work to talk to you today. And and just to completely, I had not read your article, uh, How White Is Your Shirt? So I had not read this article, man. But after they talked about it on that, on that episode, I went and read it, man. And I'm telling you right now, uh, it was a gut punch to me. I've been BC now for about 18 months, 19 months. And all those promises I made to myself at the early on, it's easy to fall out of. And I read that article and I was like, man, this is, I'm taking it, I'm pinning it to my locker and I'm going to read it every shift and try to stay connected to this. So I want to talk to you about that article. Um, I wanted to say that to you, first of all, uh, great. Uh, tell me about the mindset in that article. Um, you know, the mindset in the article, I kind of, it goes back a little bit to, even just starting to write, you know, I got to thank those guys that got me into that um, years and years ago, fire service warrior, which that's how I've got the brush connection. Almost everybody has a brush story somewhere, but um, I reached out after he wrote an article and he was super cool about it and um, started hooking up with him and, and Gary Lane. And then eventually Chris uh, Brennan who ran kind of fire service warrior and they started getting me writing. And so I've been writing quite a bit um, over the years and just, trying to jot down things. I go to classes and, and, um, you know, you, you take a class and something jogs something deep down inside you and you just start to put it together. And, um, going into the battalion thing, like I'd worked for some BCs and I, I'd been around some of that stuff and I had seen what it looked like. And I just, I wanted to do it different. I felt like it could be done different, you know, um, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I just, I felt like, 
I don't know, you know, you go out on a, a major accident or something like that. And the, the chief, you know, he's got on a vest and cool guy, sunglasses and a helmet. And the guys are out there and it's 108 degrees and they've got on full bunkers and a line on the ground. And it just, it just didn't seem right to me. You know, it seemed like, Hey man, I'm, I'm part of this thing. You know, I'm a, I'm a line personnel. So, um, I just wanted to do it different, you know, and the guys that I work for, and I say that I work for them, you know, because that's, that's what that is, you know, when you take on, um, you know, when you take on that position, it's not like rank and privilege and all these other things. It's like a lot of work. I mean, that's what it should be. Um, and if it's not going like that in your organization, those are some things that I get sorted because, um, the guys at the top should be working the hardest, you know, and, and working hard for the people that are going to be out meeting Mrs. Smith, you know, and doing those kind of things. So that's kind of what I was thinking. And, and I, I just put it out there and, um, uh, I think station pride picked it up and ran with it. And it, it kind of became this thing that we have a neighboring department that, um, was not happy with the article and, and really, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think that's their, their idea of, uh, what they do. Yeah. What they do or what a chief officer should be doing. And I get that everybody's entitled to that, but in the colony, that is what we do. You know, um, my gear is hung up by the car. It's ready to, to roll. Um, you know, and you can ask my guys, I mean, I'm, I'm out there in gear doing that, you know, and I go and I train with them. Um, the last couple of years have been hard, you know, just trying to stay up with it. I, I do training for the organization and then, uh, a BC. So sometimes I get stuck in the office writing a lot of the training and, and doing sure. you know, those things. But, um, I'll still get out there and, you know, toss a ladder and right stretch on. a line and, and, uh, you know, force the door mask up every morning, you know, those kinds of things. So it's just, it works for me. Um, it seems to work for the guys, um, and, and gals that, that we work with. So. And I think it's an exception to the rule, but I've, uh, you know, as I've traveled and spoke and listened and talked to firefighters, it, I've never met a crew that, that didn't speak with reverence when they talked about a chief who, threw on his gear and did reps with them on the training ground. You yeah. Know, I've never met one that said, man, I hate that guy. He used to come out there and bunk out and work out with us. Yeah. I, it's, um, I'm probably just a little more hands-on, you know, and everybody's got their style, Every, you know, be entitled to that, I guess, you know, whatever works for you, but I'm a little more hands-on and definitely on a scene. I'm more hands-on. Um, I normally, it, when, when we catch a job, I'll be in the front yard um, I'm not a big fan of, of being at the car um, unless I absolutely have to. And I've got great bosses that show up and, and they'll take the car and then give me operations so I can be more hands-on. But, you know, what would I do if I did a 360 and as I walked around the back door, I can see somebody 10 feet in, but right. I'm in my shirt, right? And I, I didn't put on my gear. You know, you're going to miss those opportunities. Uh, or if you can't figure out why a line's not advancing, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 10 seconds from masking up, you know, getting in there and, and maybe face to face with that boss and go, Hey man, why are we not moving this line? Why is this know? not, why is it not kicking? Yeah. Uh, I kind of think of, and I saw it later on and it's cool to see there's others doing it. I just don't think it was real, um, like prevalent in our area, but you know, chief Ike is that way. Yeah. You know, he's not afraid to, you know, to help stretch the line and get it inside and, you know, pull a second one. I mean, he's very hands-on and I think it's a great example. The battleground commander, as he likes to call it. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, I love it. Uh, Dennis Laguerre said, paper logbook, per apparatus, station book, fires is red ink. You can have electronic records, but paper is golden. Used to always look up December 8th, 1941, when working out of house in Oakland. Westbrook uh, replied, one of our guys, Westbrook Tier said this, replying to that, one of our guys found an old tradition of writing working fires on bricks in the firehouse. We went back through the last five years of logbooks and put them in the captain's office on the bricks in paint pen. I love that tradition. I think that is a phenomenal tradition. I love Westbrook, Westbrook, one of my captains. Okay. Uh, So he's doing, you guys are doing that at the colony? It is. Yeah. And that's really (laughs) cool. It's really cool that he's on here and I appreciate it. Um, And Dennis, that's awesome. Our, our logbooks are the, so we have logbooks. We got green station logbooks, but you know, the hose stretches wasn't going in there. So that's why that other book kind of came about. I guess it could, but I just felt like a, a standalone, you know, log book for just your hose stretches was kind of cool. But yeah, ours goes in the same way. The jobs are in red um, and, and we, we do everything still by paper. Awesome. Uh, and Westbrook also said his gear is on every morning masking up with us. So there you go. You got a man speaking for you saying he does it every morning. Uh, Steve. Steve Lester Lester asked, where do we find the article? It's on stationpride.com. It's uh, if you type in Google, uh, how white is your shirt? That's it's pretty easy to find. And it is a great article. Like I said, a short article, very great to the point. Okay. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and say, has it been difficult for you over the last five years, five, five five-ish years to live up to that standard that you put in that article? Like, have you struggled at times to stay consistent? What's been your secrets? What have you learned? Uh, It's exhausting. Yeah. You know, (laughs) there's no doubt. It's exhausting when you set a standard like that to to live up to it. And I'm not perfect. There's no way, um, you know, there's shifts that I don't get a workout in. And, I'm, you know, I do my best that I can, but there's just some that it's like I get back to the house. It's you know, six thirty, seven o'clock at night, I'm doing staffing, I eat dinner and it's like, next thing I know, it's 10 o'clock at night. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I'm, I'm tapped. So um trying to find that balance right now, you know, and it sounds silly at five years, but I'm still trying to figure this thing out. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, it is tough. Um, but I, you know, I, I hopefully I'm uh, a good example. You know, I'd rather be that. Right. You know, I would rather, you know, there's so much in the fire service that people will say, well, I worked for that guy and he wasn't the greatest, but I learned what not to do. And it's like, well, yeah. all we learned is like where the landmines are. Right. And we had, we didn't really learn how to lead or how to do it. So, um, I, I hope I'm doing okay. Well, from, uh, all intents and purposes and from the comments, you are doing good, sir. So, and from the article. <clears throat> okay. So moving to the colony. We've already talked about it a couple of times. It is a mini Boomberg, according to uh, Chief Thompson. It represents, and this is my opinion, of course, it re- but I think it represents the majority of fire departments across this country as far as size and when they grew up and uh, construction type and things like that. And uh, But it's such a great example of what a fire department could and should be. So that's me talking about it. Um, now, you guys recently, I believe, overhauled the design of your engines, hose and attack packages. True. Yes. Yes. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, that process, implementing the change, uh, the challenges, uh, how come it appears to be so successful and you did outside looking in, how come you guys made it look so easy and uh, insight into that whole process as far as according to chief Garrett Rice. Um, So the attack packages, you can back up to before I was even in the colony and um 
you know, the members had made the move over to smoothbore nozzles. That was a big change, right? To, mm-hmm. to move over from the fogs to the smoothbores. They went with the 15 16th um, package at the time and then just tapped it onto whatever. I think we had the FDNY spec at the time, maybe 188 or something like that. Um, and it was a, it's a decent, it was a decent package. You had some nozzle whip issues at, at the, and it's really not nozzle whip. Dennis will scold me. It's the toes whip. The nozzle doesn't do any of that, but, uh, um, so we had some of those issues and at the same time, um, Dennis was trying to build the true ID and we were one of the organizations that, that, you know, chief Thompson authored a letter. I authored a letter and it got pushed to the hose manufacturers. Hey, listen, you need to build this thing. And this is what we're, you know, we'll buy this, you know? And, um, so it happened. I mean, it's unbelievable to see it from start to finish. Um, and we made the swap over to, um, the true ID hose, we've got that on our inch and three quarter and our two and a half. Um, our two and a half we had at the time the uh, inch and a quarter, and it, that is like all there. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. 20 gallons a minute, it's all there. Um, and our guys did a great job with it, but um, it's not maneuverable. And, you know, I know Dennis loves the, the inch and three sixteenths. We, we tried it. The, the problem was at 40, it feels like dog crap, and at 60, it's too hot. And, um, so we ended up at inch and an eighth on our two and a half. Mm-hmm. And then we actually backed down our um, inch and three quarter to seven eighths and giving it that little bit of back pressure with that true ID. It's just a rock solid attack package. I mean, you give it to a small child uh, and they don't get slung all over the place. So it's a fun line to be on. Um, and then if you fast forward to the engines, um, we, we were getting one engine and then, you know, we kind of pose the question to the boss, Hey, listen, you know, this other one's going to be up, you know, what about pulling sister engines? And we've got a great city manager and he, he went to him and said, Hey, Troy, you know, I want to pull two engines. And next thing we knew we were, we were getting two engines. Um, you know, a lot of the members chipped in on that and, and they had a committee kind of put together, but the whole thought process was, you know, the colony's a suburb, but we've got super narrow streets. We've got streets that are you know, they built like zero lot lines and then we'll have people park on both sides. So we've got guys that are, you know, driving these things with literally inches on either side of vehicles. So we wanted the, the narrowest, uh, width engine, which was the Aero XT, uh, from Pierce for uh, our whole organizations, all Pierce. Okay. Um, and then we wanted the low hose bed. So we started looking at some things and, you know, Columbia, South Carolina came up and DC came up. Uh, we were at FDIC that year. Seagrave uh, had a DC rig there that was just gorgeous. Um, and, you know, because the colony moved from, you, you know, you talk about that Boomberg, but like from single family dwelling into north of us, 10,000 square foot McMansions to the south of us, crazy, you know, 7,500 apartments. apartments and yeah. then. And then all along 121 on, on the freeway, we've got uh, mid-rise and high-rise going in. And we just recognized that, like, a triple-layer load, you know, with a fog nozzle and, and some of these older, you know, rigs, just it wasn't going to work. We needed to kind of modify. And it's funny because, you know, where I've worked prior, and, and I think a lot of, I'm sure where you are as well, people will say, this is an FDNY. Like, exactly. We, we, know, we know that. I got that. But they're addressing the same things that we're having to address. So it was time to look at some of those specs. And, and it's funny because at the time, you know, um, we had like a ton of pre-connects and we've now cut it down to, to like two. 
And even that, now the guys are saying the next engine, they're ready to pull the pre-connects off and have a full static bed. Static off the, beds. You know, the guys really love it. I mean, and it takes work. You can't just say, I want something. You got to put in the work uh, to do it, but they've done it. And uh, the engines came and they've, they've been a, a huge hit. Um, you know, the boss put the, we will come for you slogan across the back of it, you know, which is kind of a big statement. That's another thing that, you know, the guys have to live up to every day. Like right. that's a bold statement, you know, so earn it every single day and that they do, you know. And that's one thing I was going to bring up was that we will come for you. Of course, it's, it's, it's such a, uh, beautiful statement. When he first posted that he gave all the credit to the guys too. So when you say the boss came up with, I mean, you know, it's the colonies and it's awesome, man. It is. It is. I wish that, you know, I would now I'm getting a little bit older. I'm trying to seek out balance, you know, and I wish that the fire service didn't have to be like on one end of the pendulum or on the other end. Right. Of the or over on one end of the pendulum where, you know, we're diving through windows and these are cowboys and they're, they're all of these other things. And on the other end of the pendulum, we've got clean cabs and, you know, you know, I'm not going in there and, and, you know, victim profiling and it's like man there's a middle ground here somewhere where we can figure this thing out and uh but the statement really does drive it home you know make no mistake about it but, you know our guys train for that and they'll come for you it's awesome we just now got some seven eight smooth bores on our pre-connects and we're running it uh and we got the two and a quarter true id for our mm. mid for our mid-rise packs and so paired with the engine eight uh xd um, yeah, that two and a quarter is an interesting thing. It's like the the perfect amount of, and Dennis and I talked about that. We were in Vegas at the high rise uh, conference that was out there a couple years ago. And I was discussing that with him. And he said, he goes, you actually probably need two and a quarter. Cause I had two inch hose at the time in the department with an inch tip and it just didn't have enough back pressure. And, uh, that two and a quarter, um, it's pretty awesome. No, it really is. We've, we've loved, uh, it made it up beautifully. Uh, and it's, it, yeah, it's been a good change for us. So thank you guys for everybody involved in making the true ID happen. Um, Scott Thompson said it originated with chief rice on the blue floor. So I don't know exactly what the blue floor is, but that's the blue floor at Pierce, but yeah, it, it's the colonies. That's all I'll say. All right. Um, Dennis Legier said 2016 balance with a rhythm is Jack Wilson chiming in. Uh, Shane Walker said, I dive through windows when necessary. Um, Shane Walker's got a really great, um, he's a, a Garland fireman has a really great vent enter search story. And that's the whole part about being uh, tuned up when you go out. If, and I'll probably butcher this story. He told me a number of years ago, but his engine single response, they go around grandmother meets him in the front yard. Says my granddaughter's in the back. Uh, they have a high window on a 70 style house. Captain basically throws Shane in through the window, grabs the girl, hands her out. He said at the time, never even shut the door, climbs back out. They worked a CPR and a month later, the girl was handing out presents with the Garland firefighters association. So that's really cool dude. And a heck of a story uh, that unfortunately did not get a ton of press around here. I really wish it had been pushed out a little further because that department got it done. That's awesome. And and ties right into and back to brush and, and counting our successes and what he's pushing for this year. And I love that stuff. Um, there we go. I want to ask, was there a lot of pushback on the changes on the engines? Are you guys just all, uh, how do you deal with it? Or, or is it just the momentum is all there or how would we, you describe? We still employ firemen, right? Right. Yeah. So 
it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, that's, there's always going to be a little bit of that, but no, I mean, I, I think it met the needs. I think it's interesting, you know, at the time it's change. And, and, um, you know, the one thing about the XTs, um, they're narrow. The, the officer doesn't have a ton of room, you know, uh, at all, but we're not driving to Pensacola in it. We're, we're just making runs. Right. And so once, once we kind of got, I think looped in with that mentality, you know, it's, it's like the old adage, well, like this sucks to reload, you know, like true ID hose is not the easiest to reload. I mean, you, you definitely, um, you got to roll it and do some other things to get it up. There, it does not like to be flat. No, but, but that's not the whole point. The point is the deployment. Right. And so I think the guys have kind of figured that out and, man, we've been super successful with them. I mean, they run, I think they put the biggest motor that you can put in these stupid things. And they, I struggle in the BC car to keep up when we're getting on the, the freeway with these things. So they're, they're nimble, you know, they carry very basic stuff. Um, and for our deployment model with the engine truck uh, and now a squad, it, it works out really well for us. That's awesome. Um, Good. I got that covered. Got that covered. Okay, here we go. This is the part. If you know me, you know I love leadership. I love culture. Uh, I love picking brains. You came up in, I want to say 2018, up here to OKC, my neck of the woods, and did a, with you and your partner in crime, Mark Combs, did a 10 lessons in leadership. And uh, I've got the actual journal I took to the class and took notes in. And long story short, I'm going to dissect it with you here today and, and throw quotes at you from my notes that I wrote down, if that's okay, okay with you. And just yes. talk about these uh, aspects of leadership for those listening. And again, anybody listening live, uh, if you've got questions to add on to any of this or want clarification, throw them at them. I told Chief Garrett Rice that there would be curveballs coming at him. So uh, you got to send them. <laughs> I'm waiting for Hannah. I'll be honest with you. I know, yeah, that's true. It's a it's a tradition. She's busy now that she got a job in Memphis. Right. She might be in the middle of a move. <laughs> uh, seven eighths gives gives us auto guys the line rigidity we are used to with the flows we need when we run when we run them hot. Love it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Shane Walker said, "Love Garrett. We went to rookie school together. Story correct." So there you yep. go. And then He's he said, great- "Sorry, Chief Rice." So he corrected himself. Whatever. (laughs) All right. Uh, James McAllister said, what's in the coffee cup? Uh, What's that bottle we got? Woodford Reserve. Reserve. Double oaked. Double oaked. oaked. Yeah, that's another one of my captains there. He got me a bottle of uh, Four Roses the other day, small batch bourbon. I kind of dove off in the bourbons as of recent. Gotcha. so I have had his bourbon. I had it the other night with him on FaceTime. <laughs> Perfect. We're just yeah. getting started then. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. My first quote coming from that class. I, I don't know. You and Mark traded off on which ones you got. So I don't know which of these lessons were Mark's and which were yours, but I'm pretty sure you're versed in them all. So the first one was, in order to create value, a leader must have values. I love that. I made the notes on it. Yeah. And so – my, my thought process on it and what I wanted to ask you about, and of course, this is just our opinions, my questions, your opinions, is, is it just dumb luck for people when it's not done intentionally? In other words, if my parents raised me with good values, my grandparents, my environment I grew up in, I get good values. Therefore, it translates into me having values as a leader. Or is it, is it just the dumb luck of that? If, if you don't have that, are you doomed or can you reinvent? 
Well, I think you can always reinvent. I mean, hopefully you, you were raised with some of that because some of this um, takes, you know, a lifetime yeah. to settle in, right? And and I'm pretty sure that was uh, Chief Combs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I'll, I'll try to do it justice because um, he does a great job of explaining that. You know, when he talks about values, he said, I'm not, you know, these aren't like $5 words that you throw out there, you know. These are things that you're willing to die for like when you think about values, right? And so he, um, I think he does a pretty eloquent job explaining that, you know, I do think you can reinvent yourself, you know, but things are either important to you or not, you know, the colony for us, um, it's, it's duty, respect and integrity, right? Those are our three. Those are our core values. And like you break one of those tenets, God be with you. I'll be honest. I and mean, right. that's, that's kind of it. Like those are the, you can make a lot of mistakes and you can do that, but if you skirt your, your duty or, or you, you know, or have a respect issue, either with citizens or our, our internal people, or you lack integrity, man, those are like, that's the ticket to the game. You know, once you, you break those, you don't have that anymore. So, um, I don't know. Duty, respect, integrity. I love yeah. it. Now, now, my question to you is: Can you break SOP if you can tie it back to following duty, respect, integrity? Do they, do they supersede? How about we, go ahead. Well, so let me. T- I got to back this up, and this will probably piss off everybody. But the ball, <laughs> back me up. I love it. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have we have some policies. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? We have some policies, but the policies are like they're like the non-negotiables, you know. But I'll be honest, on the fire ground, we don't have a lot of non-negotiables. You know what I mean? I mean, we do. I mean, there, there's definitely some policies there. But the way that the chief, you know, kind of says it, and I love it, we're philosophy-driven, right? And that. so it takes a little bit more work to be philosophy-driven. I'd rather be there. I don't want to be tied to a bunch of policies. You know, um, we're growing. We're, we're almost at, at 80 uh, line personnel right now. And uh, we're going to add another firehouse, so we'll probably be just shy of a hundred. Um, you know, it's not not huge, but it's big enough for me. You know, it's it's big enough that I still know everybody, know their spouses and the kids, and and those kind of things. But as we as we grow, there's going to be a fireman that decides to say, "Well, I'm going to push the issue on this or that." Okay, well, it's not philosophy anymore. Then you know, we'll we'll have to be policy driven and. And so the guys are very aware of that. They're good about those kinds of things. They want to stay philosophy driven. And and the more that all of us kind of keep our crap together, the more that we don't have to kind of go down that road. You know? Right. No. And again, they're firemen. Uh, one of the big things is one person, you know, in most departments is what I'm saying, or, or as a general rule is one person craps the bed. Everybody has to start wearing diapers, you yeah. know, and when you can stay philosophy driven, uh, you might be able to avoid that pitfall. The, the wonderful thing is we, we elevate and, and really support senior, uh, you know, like a senior man mentality in our organization. So there's plenty of times that I'm sure that there's a senior man dragging somebody out by the woodshed kind of thing to have a conversation and go, Hey man, we don't want this. We don't want this you know, policy. Don't turn this in. You're not going to make a big stink about this. Just do what you need to do kind of thing, you know? So a lot of it's unwritten and, and for the most part, everybody takes care of business. That's awesome, man. Um, sorry, Mark Combs corrected me and said standard operating guidelines, guidelines. So yes, a hundred percent SOGs. Uh, <laughs> 
They were SOPs when I started and then it made the change. Uh, do the right thing and you'll always be back, said Shane Walker. So, yeah. good stuff. All right, the next one I had was, we have to be more invested in the outcome than we are in being the deciders. So I love this quote, and I want to let you elaborate. I think you've already kind of hinted on it earlier when we were talking about uh, one of the early questions about the logbooks, but go ahead. Yeah, the logbook's a perfect example. Like, it doesn't really matter where the idea comes from, you know, Um in our organization, I love this, you know, um, and some may, may balk at it, but, you know, we don't do a whole ton of like hazing, you know, beat up the new guy, treat him like crap, you know, FNG type thing. Like they're candidates, you know, as they come in, whether they're firefighters or they're paramedics, they're candidates. We treat everybody with respect. And I'll be honest on our medic side, some of our guys that have got two years on the job, they've got some of the best ideas we've ever had. And they're elevating our, our medic game um, with our super aggressive med control to, to kind of new heights. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, you, you just have to – was it Steve Jobs that said that maybe? The best ideas have to win out. To win. Yeah. Like that. And that's it, you know. As, as we're moving forward into this thing, it, it, it shouldn't be like, well, you need to shut up. And when you get enough years on, we'll let you talk. Right. We're going to miss something. We're hiring guys right now that are leaving organizations. They're leaving organizations for less pay because they want to be part of something. So I'm not about to like have them come in and treat it like dog crap. That's our asset. And so um, all our guys buy into that. I mean, I don't have to be heavy handed with any of that. Our captains and our senior men, our AOs, they take care of our, our people. That's awesome. And you, and you see no entitlement issues or, or you know, the. There, there's always some entitlement, you know, that sneaks around sometimes. Um, but for the most part, it, it's dealt with. And, you know, I don't think we're real entitled. I mean, we're working class. Our guys get out and get it done. They get sweaty. They like working out. You know, they're doing the CrossFit stuff, throwing things in the in the gym and, and dragging things and hitting things. And, you know, they, they don't – if I if I write a ton of training that's inside, they start to get stir crazy. Right. So, uh, <laughs> They like to be tested and, and, and put through the ringer. So perfect. Ryan Rankin has come in, and if it's Rankin, let me know. But Chief, do you have any advice on switching to the engine truck company model? We're receiving a tiller this year and are transitioning to that model. Up until now, we've been without a truck. It was a quint for many years, and have been doing truck work off of an engine. Yeah, I mean it, it's so specific, you know. I think, um, what's the adage? Like all politics is local. All firefighting is local. Mm. And that's the frustrating thing. I can't really write it for, for him or for, for anybody. I mean, it, it, it depends on the size and everything. Um, I can tell you if you back up and you go to whatever the Quint concept is, right. Um, the Quint concept is not the worst thing in the world. The problem is, is that when it was originally thought up, it was meant to have two companies worth of people on the rig, but nobody staffed it that way. So think about that. Like I wouldn't mind riding a a hundred foot, you know, uh, ladder quint with six guys because we can show up and do engine and truck work, but nobody staffs it that way. So that's the problem with the concept. That's why it remained a concept because nobody ever staffed it. You know, and that's why large in part, everybody, you know, that I know is kind of going back to the engine truck model, which, you know, give guys 
a specific assignment and let them train for it. Let them be good at it. Um, you know, and when you need something on a toolbox, it's across town call for it. You know, um, we haven't really had that problem. Uh, we, we recently, uh, this last year spun up a squad. Uh, it's kind of built more like an FDNY style, um, squad company. Um, and those guys are, are able to kind of do truck work and engine work. You know, they've got a first in district, but they carry everything but the aerial ladder. So, um, we, we kind of did that and put that up with our engine companies because in the heart of our city, it's all pretty much one and two story homes. It just, the, the use of a tower ladder and, and, you know, wasn't that big of a, an issue. We put the tower ladder down where we now have 14 story high rises going right, in, right. in apartments and that are four and five story and a ton of hotels. And, um, so yeah, we're doing a little bit different. But it, it seemed so far it's working out pretty well. It'll be interesting to see what you know our next truck looks like because we got a mid mount now, and um, and then what the next gen of the squad looks like. You know what what the guys come up with. I'm I'm excited to kind of see where where the guys take that. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, Dennis Laguerre said, riding positions staff the ladder with at least four three man ladders or like two person engines, and he said six minimum on a quint. So you yeah. Know. Squads get four two. Of course, we are talking ideals. So that's Dennis chiming in. But yeah, he's got the minimums at least ideal minimums. Yeah, I think it's LA City that runs like the Light Force. They run a, a like a six person company. They split up four on a tiller and two on an engine. And if they show up first on, they split three and three. And if if they show up second, I believe, um, then they run as a six man truck company. And then that engine. Uh, pumps that tiller, which is pretty cool. No, that know? is cool, man. But that, again, that takes that those reps to to be good at it when it's t- day of. All right, ask about writing positions and initial tasks with ladders. Dennis Laguerre said, "Ask about writing positions and initial tasks with ladders." So all of our folks have got you know writing positions in our organization. Um, on our engines, we, we went a little bit more robust. We put on our uh, our 28s and 16s, which you don't normally see on an engine company. I think 1901 only uh, recommends or, or requires a 24 and a 14. So we went a little bit longer on our engines. We did so because our, our, our ladder truck only has 90, I think it's 91 feet of portable ground ladders. But, um, yeah, our, our folks are pretty tuned up on – uh, being able to throw ladders. Um, we, we've had investigations, right? Investigations on, on a possible structure fire that they're already standing on the roof with the saw running. Right. And so that's, <laughs> that, that, and I have to tell them like, that's cool. Just hold on a second. Please don't put a hole in this person's roof, you know, but um, they get those reps in. We're not sitting a block out uh, doing that. And they already have those jobs um, in our organization. The, uh, that truck runs with a, a, a rescue company, a two person kind of Johnny and Roy rescue. And, um, and so when we put that in service altogether, it's basically a five man truck company. And so the, the rescue, which is a lot faster because it's a, a pickup truck, they can get to the scene and that that's our inside truck. That's our search guys. Okay. Uh, two person is ran with a, an AO and a firefighter. And then the, uh, the mid mount, uh, they run with a, uh, you know, three person company 
and the AO and the, the firemen normally go to the roof or the outside truck. And then we put the captain, which is probably a little bit different for, than most organizations, but captain runs the OC, which is the outside control or outside vent man, like the OVM. Oh, yeah. So he'll go opposite me on a fire, which is really perfect because I've got eyes and ears on the backside of that thing. He'll soften the structure. He can step back and look up at his guys. He can look at the attack group and, and really work through that coordination. And then if, uh, if, if heaven forbid we had a mayday, I'd immediately make him the rescue uh, group supervisor. Okay. And he can run the mayday. Uh, because he's going to be more in tune to where companies were running and operating. Um, but everybody's got a spot, you know, and, and we, every, everyone kind of knows all those positions and where to, to fill in. Um, so it, work, it just, it works out for us, you know? All right. I'm getting questions coming at you here. I'm trying to figure out, trying to, um, a, thanks for the rundown of the positions I love. And I want to, I'm trying to remember everything I want to ask you about as you speak. One of them is, one of them is whenever you uh, take those reps, you get on those smells and bells calls and you turn them into actual reps. Um, yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Like you said, guy standing on the roof with salt running. Yeah. I mean, we just, you know, it's like these guys, they go out and they train and they put it in daily. So when we go to a fire, I just cut the leash. It's that simple. Like they already know what to do. So, you know, in, in my opinion, we own it. We own the building. Now, if the city was falling apart, then let's not take everything off the rig, right? And our city has the potential to kind of shoot itself in the face, like, daily. Like, I don't know how it's possible, but, like, we'll get, like, one, two, three, four calls, like, right on top of each other. Companies can't check and route, and the next one's getting punched. So it's weird how that happens. So it does happen. But for the most part, we don't have calls holding. And so you're, you know, if somebody called us, like, you said, Hey, I can't control this. I need help. And, and we own that building. At right. that point. And so, um, how much cooler is it if they were already on the roof, they're already tuned up and we figure out, yeah, this is an attic fire. Cool. Oh yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Yes. Instead of just waiting down the street on the first end investigation, like, you know, when, when companies do that and they wait, you know, and they go level one staging, Right. And they just they let the first one go. We're not going to bombard the scene. Okay. Well, you're missing the opportunity to spot the rig, right. In a live scenario. Like I can't get in, that, in a parking lot. Sure. So we just give up lots of reps. Um, and then we give up lots of mistakes. Let's be honest. Right. Yes. So that's the part. And I, I'm sure my guys hate me for it, but you know, hopefully it's made us better, but like I'll take them all the bosses aside. Like, Hey man, come on over here. Why did we park right there? You know, or hey, let's. Why, why are we doing that? So we have an opportunity to fail on the things that really don't matter. But if you never test yourself, if you never get out, then how do you how do you know when it when it's gonna you know when you have that run and you got to get it all right? Like that that's gonna happen. Right. No, I love that mindset. Love the mindset because well, that's another one of the quotes from the class. So I'll get to that one. But I am gonna throw because we got a, quite a few questions coming at you here. So okay. some of them. Um, William Seeley asks you, so here it comes. Can you talk about how you might deal with a department that values everything except operations? <laughs> I do what I can on my shift, but the direction from the ops chief is EMS is number one. So common question really, but nah, go ahead. It, it is. And I, it breaks my heart. Like, I don't know what to say to that. You know, I really wish I could. 
say something different. You know, I got to give credit where it's due. Our fire first culture is, is from the top down. And so, Hmm. um, like I'm blessed to be where I'm at. Like, I don't really know, you know, what to say other than just stay the course. I think the best that I've heard lately, and and I know a lot of people have quoted him is Rob Fisher. Uh, he's a chief up there in the, the, uh, Pacific Northwest, and he says uh, 10 pounds of pressure 100% of the time. Yeah, it is. And, and that's what I would tell William, right? Like, you know, I can look back on on my early years as a fireman and a driver and a captain when I was a thorn in people's side and, and I was, you know, in an organization that the same kind of way the leadership didn't really value firefighting. They, they would say, well, we're going to 80% medical calls, so the rest of this doesn't even matter. Right. That kind of thing. And hindsight right you know they they would say you know hey kid good message but but you know clean up the tone what what were they saying they were really saying like you know i love it but you're making people feel uncomfortable right and this is the tough thing there's this balance like i wish that i could tell william you know like i had all the answers i just don't i think you gotta you gotta go in and try to make the changes that you can make and then pull back and be part of the crew. But if you continue being like, well, screw those guys, and I'm going to be out here, firemen, oh, they'll stick it to you for an entire career. Like, good luck with that, right? Oh, you know, yes. and, you, yes. and you need them. You Ultimately, you need them where you want them to go. Like, you want them along for the ride. So, you know, try to find like minds. Try to find that one boss in the department that maybe, you know, would value you as an employee. Put in the transfer. Get wherever you need to go you know, and then just a little bit a day, you know, just try to, Hey, you know, cap, can we go out and and do this? You know, I didn't always have the most firecracker, you know, captains, but I'll be honest, I'm blessed. None of them ever stood my way. So if I said, Hey, can we go throw ladders at nine o'clock at night behind that building? They just went, yes. And, and I tell you for a lot of officers, if you're trying to figure it out, yes, is pretty much the way. It starts at the top, man. I mean, it does. If you, yeah. Uh, mindset book, fit to fight fire. They talk about no is easy saying yes. That's when you have to start doing work when you start saying yeah. yes. And I will, t- I will piggyback on to chief rice and say, uh, focus on what you can control and not what you're concerned about. So it's Stephen Kobe's, you know, circle of influence, circle of concern. And- well, and the other part, and I, I hate to put this out there, but promote, and I hate to be a jerk about it, but promote, and it's not everything, but it is something, right? So like in that organization, if you want to be an ear in the, you know, in the ear of the right people to change that, he may need to promote, you know, and say, Hey, you know, I'm over here and this is what I got going on. You know? And you can't control how hard you study for that promotion. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Garrett Rose, when I read Garrett Rose's question here, I thought you wrote your own question to yourself. <laughs> I'm over here. Okay. <laughs> Typing it up. Uh, he said, as a BC, do you coordinate multi-company level two or more stations training, or do you leave that decision to the station captains? Uh, both. So I write the training. Um, so we'll have multi-company drills where we go out to the yard, and they're actually tested. I'm out there, and that's part of it. But I don't get in the way of my officers. I really try not to. Um, their day is their day. And so nothing's stopping any one of them to saying, hey, I'm going over there. We're going to stretch with those guys and we're going to do that. Um, I know the two engine companies have been working with each other on reworking some of the rear hose bed, um, swapping a two and a half and an inch three quarter and, and some of that type of stuff. 
but they, they do, they train together. They'll, they'll, Hey, let's go pump the truck today or, or Hey, let's go work with the squad. But large in part, I just let them do their thing. It's awesome. Give them direction and get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he followed it up with also, can you shed some light on y'all's spring training training concept? <clears throat> so, um, chief kind of wrote it from a standpoint of like, uh, like the baseball season, right? So you start out with spring training. So ours starts in, in March from December through December, January, February. I don't really put a lot on there right now. We're in a mentoring series, that packet that chief put out the other day, the formal mentoring, I think, uh, 40 something pages or whatever. Yes. We're actually, we're actually going through that right now. Awesome. Which probably sounds odd to be in the organization where, where, where it originated. Originates, <laughs> and, but but you know what? You know, sometimes you're doing some stuff and it's good to go back. We're fixing to hire nine people, and I wanted everybody to really be tuned up on mentoring and like and you know Chief's vision for it and kind of like no, absolutely. You know, um, so we're doing that. So, anyways, in the off season, we kind of do that. We've been doing some lighter stuff. It was kind of through holiday mode and the, the holidays and getting through. But yeah, we start back in um, March. And it's led by the, the line guys, the line guys and gals. So our firefighters and our paramedics, they put together classes and they're, it's all within the, their own battalion. And so they'll email me and say, Hey, I want to do, I don't know, whatever, some crazy search drill or, or, Hey, I want to run a mega code or I want to do whatever. Right. And all I do is just put it on the calendar. And then during that time, it's kind of like spring training where you're, you're getting reps, you're throwing the ball again, you're kind of getting used to, you know, working the cobwebs out and then the bosses kind of step back from that and watch oh, that's awesome man right and then the thought process is that will kind of set up like how we go into the, the regular season right like okay you know what do we need to correct out of that or what do i need to work on or, or let me, whatever else. let me i'm going to interject real quick before, I, I hate interrupting when you're going when you're on a roll but no, you're fine when you're, whenever you give that power to those people to set those up does that do you find your go-getter stepping forward and 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 excelling with that or and and how does it affect the culture in general when you give that power to the line guys to set it up like that? Um, so we had uh, 10 shifts, obviously, in March, right? Right. And, and I can't speak for the other two battalions. I'll, I'll speak for what I know. I had to do two-a-days in March because every single fireman and medic in my, my battalion pretty much put up a class. Wow. So, you know, people... <laughs> that, well, Who would kill to have that kind of problem? Well, the truth of it is, is everybody has something to teach, right? Right. You just got to give them a platform. So, you know, and some of the stuff is really small. Like we had something, uh, I think one of our newest medics, Kristen, did like a drug calculation, something or another, which was super cool. Like she had a way of doing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm still a medic, which I'm not a great medic now at this point. You I know, but, <laughs> Believe me, I understand. I just went through EMT refresher and I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. But. <laughs> But, uh, you know, she did that and, and other people put together hose drills and search drills and, and fun stuff. Like the point is to go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. So some of it is a little, you know, cut up and a little grab ass. And that's just part of our, you know, you, you want to let them have some fun. That's awesome, man. No, and like I said, people would kill to have that, that, that issue. All right. I'm going to try it. You know, like, here's the thing, because this is this is what we have to, like, get to. You, you can go in tomorrow, Corley, and do whatever you want to do. 
Like you just go do it. Like nobody is stopping you from, from doing this. And any of these people watching, no one's stopping you from doing this or setting these things up. Like, like we don't, I think a lot of the time we're, we're waiting for permission. Like just go do it and get your ass ate out. Like just like, I'm being honest and I, I don't mean to get anybody in trouble, but who preach. I love this, but, but this is like, you're already empowered. I, I worked for a, a city manager, uh, and, and, and there's a union officer somewhere rolling over in their grave as I'm fixing to quote this. But uh, my, my city manager years ago, Linda, she told me, she said, let me tell you something. We give you guys a $1.2 million fire truck. We give you an $8 million fire station. We give you narcotics. We give you the lives of every citizen. Just go get it done. You know? And so when you're empowered in that way, um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the time we're waiting for a lot of things and they're just excuses. I agree. No, go, go get in trouble for doing the, you know, the right thing. You know, that is awesome, man. Go get in trouble for doing the right thing. I'm going to put it on a quote. Crap. No, it's going with a picture. I just got to get a good one. Put 52 minutes. Episode 68. All right. Had to get my notes. All right, I'm going to try and catch up on the comments. We're getting a lot of them for, coming at you, Chief, so I'll try to pick the best ones. Uh, how do you deal with staffing when you fall below minimum? Do you have mandatory overtime? How is that dealt with seniority-wise? <clears throat> um, so we do. We actually – so we just went to the 4896, which I'll strike that match and light that fire. I'm sure I'll piss off a ton of people as well there. But we just started it this year. Uh, it's been good. I've enjoyed the time at home. Um, and the two shifts with my guys is awesome. It's like, uh, it's like going to camp, you know? Um, and, and the first shift out of the box, I think my engine had four after, after midnight wow. and took it on the chin. So, um, we're getting it done, but anyways, we do have openings. We do have mandatory. Um, the way that we're working it now is we have a single list, least senior at the top, most senior at the bottom. And it's the same list for voluntary or for mandatory. Doesn't matter. It's just a list. And so if you're at the top of the list, you're up for overtime. That's it. It's the way it works. So you you either you can sign up and your name will go to the bottom or you can be forced your name will go to the bottom. But everyone in our, our whole department is working overtime. There's there's no way out of it. No way out of it. Okay. Yeah. And then what we do is with our two shifts, if if because now we have a 48 following us, we won't let somebody work for 96. So okay. what ends up happening is the first person on the list, I would say, hey, do you want to work the first day or the second day? And they may say, oh, I'm going to stay up here, chief. And okay, then I go to the next person on the list. Hey, we'll see you back in a day. And that's really it. And it's, okay. It seems to work out for us pretty well. We actually had the other day, we fell below minimum, like right after everybody had left. And I had to scramble and I texted two battalions worth of guys and gals. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, our department's so great. Within 15 minutes, I had two people that took both the overtimes and said, chief, I'll come in and handle it. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is awesome, man. Okay. Um, Travis Harden says, we can stretch the firehouse door all day, but we gain so much more from stretching on possibles. Cars, bushes, fences, different setbacks, etc. 100%. Um, automatic fire alarms are great for apparatus spotting and aerial stretching. That's from Eric R. Wheaton. He is 100% correct. Um, Kevin McLean said, tuning in from vacation in Maui. Just wanted to say hi and good stuff as always from Chief Rice. Uh, Cody, Cody Clark wanted to know something about some Bojangles Southern sweet tea. So I don't know the story there, but I'm just, uh, I'm getting, let me, let me tell you something right now. And I'm fixing to piss off the entire South. Okay. <laughs> we, I, I'm sorry, but Travis and I fly out and we go do a, a teaching engagement in, uh, in, uh, 
just outside Charlotte. And we get picked up by this guy, Magoo. And I love Magoo. Okay. And we haven't eaten all day. And I said, hey, man, are they setting up at the, you know, the drill field? What are they doing? We're going out to teach ladders, right? We're going to go do a ladder class. He goes, I don't know. And I said, well, man, we probably need to eat. He goes, right, what do you guys want? I said, I, I don't know. I mean, whatever, you know, I'm thinking whatever. And he goes, and then I see a sign. We're driving and the sign goes by. And I go, hey, what's, what's Bojangles, right? <laughs> okay. Because I'm thinking like, like Bob Dylan, Bojangles, right? And he's like, you've never had Bojangles. And I'm like, no, no, I don't know what that is. Let me tell you what it is. It's a crappy chicken sandwich. <laughs> and so he's, he literally like went across six lanes of traffic, drove down the embankment right into the first Bojangles. He <laughs> got me and Travis uh, a, a pretty mediocre chicken sandwich and then broke my chops about asking for unsweet tea. Because apparently down there in the south, you want your spoon to stand up straight. Oh, yeah. It's got to be a, two and a half inches of sugar on the bottom. He explained how they make it. My teeth hurt even thinking about it. <laughs> okay. So there's the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we got one coming in from Tyler Berry. Chief, do you challenge your officers slash firefighters to develop and or demonstrate the core values that have been instilled in them throughout their career? Or do you have certain values that you want your officers to adapt in order to achieve the mission statement of the department, ultimately working towards the department's vision statement. Yeah. So the, I mean, the core values, like I said, that's the ticket to ride, right? Like you, you everybody's going to have to respect that and, and honor those. But uh, I, I think my, my bosses that I work with, you know, the captains would tell you that, you know, each one of them is very different and uh, super different. I've got some that are really analytical and I got some that are really sports oriented and I got some that are really relationship oriented, you know? So I'll be honest, like I'd let them kind of do their thing. Like that's the, that's the lovely thing about, you know, leadership and about teams is like, you kind of got to adjust that, like depending on who you're working with and what they need, you know? And so if you can figure that part out and then, have some other values like that's awesome you know and, and as long as we're meeting the mission and the vision you know chief kind of leaves that open-ended and i think that's the wonderful thing about it that decentralized uh leadership style where like everybody you know i, I got a lot of new captains there's a lot of new captains in our organization but like i got uh two on my in my battalion and i told them all i said hey listen just go out and do it and then later give me the the, the blow by blow like you don't have to call and ask me, you know what I mean? Like yes. they would call and go, Hey, you know, we've got this, this person in our district with this child and the, this and the, that we want to, you know, do that, mow the lawn or do what I'm like, just, just go do it. Like I saw something the other day or, or, or maybe I read a story. I forget. I've seen so much stuff. I'm always learning, but somebody said something to the effect, like do that. And that's the thing is like, yeah, go, just go do that. Do, go that. do more of that. Right. And I love that. Like, yeah. just, just do that. I told one of my guys, it was like, Hey, I want to build this or that or whatever it was at, at the station. I went in there the other day. I mean, I show up and they've got like five sheets of plywood, a whole stack and like two by fours. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, Oh, we're building this thing for you know forcible entry and whatever. I'm like, cool. Do that. Do that. Do more of that. That's awesome. The doers are, I mean, yes, if you can turn them into doers and I don't know if you're, if your officers realize uh, what a gift they have and the fact that you can identify their different styles. You know, you got analytical, you got the sports oriented, you got the relationships oriented. The fact that they're, and I know you're a humble guy, so I'm, I'm harping on you, but the fact that you recognize that and 
can categorize those and and reach out and empower their different um, styles all while stepping back and saying, do that is, is I don't know if they realize how lucky they are. So the, the, one of the things, and I I know you have a book section, but, and I don't actually have the book, but uh, I'll tell you is uh, strengths finder 2.0. And I don't even, I'll be honest. I couldn't even tell you who writes it. The book's really not even that important. When you buy the book, you get like, a code to take a test. Okay. okay. And when you take the test, it tells you what kind of like leadership qualities you have. And what you got to understand is you got to take this thing honest because all of them are good. It doesn't matter. They're just different. Right. Right. So we did that. Um, I, I don't know if I've had all my officers do it. I think I did it a couple of years ago and I probably need to do it again, but um, it, it, it not just tells them, like who they are, but it'll tell me how I need to deal with, with that type of thing or, or oh, that's or, awesome. Or, just the insight. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's, it's really cool. It's, it's got a handful of questions. It's kind of like that. Uh, what's that other thing? Is that, what's it called? James? The, the anagram. Yeah. That's a little different. The this Myers one's a little more. And, yeah. Yeah. So like on that one, on the strengths finder, like I was achiever, um, Woo, which is when, uh, when others over like that kind of thing, uh, communications, like, you know, so I know what strengths I have. So th- this is the thought instead of this, well, I'm going to build up my weaknesses. No, your weaknesses are your weaknesses, right? right? You're not good at them. Like <clears throat> naturally. Yeah, right. So just do the strength. Okay. Right. And play to that. I like it. I like it. And that is strength finder 2.0. Yeah, that, that was the last time I seen it. I mean, again, it's only got like, I don't know, a handful of pages to read, and then most of it's the test. Okay, so you're doing it for so, the test. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Okay, I like it. I like it's it kind of cool, and it's cool to if you do it with a group of your 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 bosses or whatever like that, to where everybody kind of knows one another. You learn something about somebody, you know. Okay, I'm going through the. I'm going through here. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying everybody. Trying to throw stuff at at the chief here. Um, great culture for the overtime. Yes. Uh, Westbrook tier. Part of our promotional process is actually grading the people in the process on their values and how they align with DRI. Duty, respect, integrity. Okay. Okay. Right there. DRI right there. Okay. Uh, Hannah Elliott. Oh, here we go. Hannah Elliott. Yeah, there she is. (laughs) I'm late to the party. So I hope this hasn't been discussed sometime before I arrived. What is the basis for your success in your personal perform personnel performance and in teaching others. Uh, we already covered that, Hannah. Sorry. <laughs> Way too late. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. I, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to figure out. Like, I think it does come back to like, uh, you know, who you are and your core values, right? Like, you know, and like I said, in that strengths finder, like I told you, achiever is one of my, my, my strengths. It's one of those things I got to watch because ultimately I can steamroll some people for a mission. Mm-hmm. Like that one is one of the things like I'm kind of, I'm a little more patent when it comes to let, let's get the job done right. than, than a little touchy feely. And so I, I do have to pump the brakes on a lot of that, but I, I don't know. I mean, the motivation and, and some of those things for personnel, that's a difficult one. I don't know if I even answered that at all. But. Okay. I'll hit that. Dennis Laguerre said, chief, Give a shout out to building a good EVT relationship plus recruiting talent in those spots. Talk about what's actually possible in-house without breaking the bank. Yeah, just just go to your local uh, 
fire truck dealer and take their best mechanic they got and best EVT. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I'll be honest. I don't know the story on how we got our guy, Brandon, but he's, he's second to none. He keeps our rigs running. He's meticulous. If anything, I'm like, calling him going brandon you got to give us these rigs back you know because he wants them right as rain for us uh, so we are blessed to have a, a great evt and a great uh, uh fleet department awesome all right we're catching up and we're almost there uh scott vadican said i love the training culture you guys have developed the two a days speaks volumes to that how do you balance out covering the calls during these on-duty training days I find it a struggle sometimes to strike a balance between the we're here to run calls mentality and the we need to be good viewpoint. Um, I don't know. You got 24 hours, right? Like I'll, I'll use the – like FTNY runs an uh, – I think it's a 9 by 6 and a 6 by 9 for their 24. And, and on both of those tours, they put in an hour of training, right? So if one of the oldest fire departments, one of the busiest fire departments, one of the largest fire departments can get it done every single day and put in two hours of training in a 24 hour period. Like I kind of think that department running 3,500 calls a year, like can go in and get it done. I think we, we sit back around the kitchen table bitching about a lot more things than, than, uh, than we need to just go out and get it done. And, and the thing that you'll realize, like, so when I was a captain, I started, I started kind of breaking that a little, that mold. And that's where that came from. And I think I remember back the first fire we, we showed up uh, and it was a possible or whatever. And I, I hollered at the kid in the back. I said, Hey, red, pull, pull a line. And he was kind of like, what? Like that wasn't a thing we did. And he looked at the driver, like, what should I do? And the driver's like, I think I'd pull a line. <laughs> and so he did, he stretched the line. I think he got hung up in the shrubs and it was a hot mess. But the teamwork that goes back into reloading the hose, like you're missing out on those opportunities, like a, a team and in, in your culture cannot be built from a recliner. So you got to get out and you're, it's that sweat equity. Yes. Like you have to suffer together a little bit to get it done and Love be kind it. of part of the work. That is it. That's the sermon right there. Sweat equity. Cody Holt said, what is the, what is good advice for the middle seniority guy on the shift? I am right in the middle of my crew and I want to help motivate and be better for my crew. I would say, um, you know, come in and, and run and operate like it was your first day. Like when you were super excited to come in, you know, that middle of the road, that's a dangerous spot. That's one of those spots where you kind of get a little big for your britches. You realize I've been here. I kind of got it figured out. You, you're starting to weigh in on some of the negativity and some of those things. So I'd say, man, go back to being that new guy and having that sense of wonder and, um, you know, ask questions, get people out, you know, pick their brains. He works in an organization with some really good people. So get out there and, and, uh, you know, make them do their job. Awesome. Now Hannah has another question for you and we've kind of covered it. So I'm going to twist it around and say, would you share your core values and how you develop them? So I'm going personally, your core values, you know, cause I know the DRI duty, mm-hmm. respect, integrity. So I'm going to Garrett Rice's personal core values. If you had to melt it down um, and, and be put on the spot. Yeah. I, so I would say, you know, values I mean stuff I'd die for God, family, you know, marriage, those kind of things. Um, I don't know. 
I think integrity is, you know, an important thing, you know, um, we struggle with that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I'm constantly telling the kids, you know, it's a difficult time nowadays, like, because the Instagram world and all these things, you just undo it, right. You just take another photo sure, and you just, you just, you just fix it. So the truth is whatever you want it to be. And our, some of our kids, we struggle with that daily. Like, no, no, you're lying. You know, well, no, no, I didn't lie. Like, no, you did. Like, right. you got to understand right. what this is. You got to understand how that's going to affect your, your overall. So I think those are the things, I mean, the things that we harp on, you know, we got six little ones that, you know, not really little anymore, but all teenagers that we got one fixing to go to college and every year after. So, but they're fixing to go to the world and like, they're going to wear that, you know, kind of that, that, what is that adage where they say, you know, the name of the department is, you know, one. And then the name on the rockers, right. your, your, your family, like, man, I just, I, I've always told them, like, I want you and your name when you go to work to be, you know, that hard work when they go, no, we can call that rice kid. He's going to, you know, he's going to get it done, you know, or, you know, Hey, let's call in that other one. You know, she's great. You know? And so I just hope they go out and they're productive. I think that's everybody, right? Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Chief, they're still coming in. So I'm going to say, I'm going to cut it off and go to your book, which we, we started talking about your book right here. Uh, book you think firefighters should read. I got a couple. Okay. All right. And I know this has been on here a bunch. Yes. Yes. So here's the thing. Take this off. It it doesn't need to say that. If we can give our our firefighters anything, give them this book day one and tell them to start reading it. You don't have to be a fire officer to to read this book. This book has been everything in my career. So for the love of God, don't wait to make captain or lieutenant or whatever and then read it for the study. Like give them to this day one. Like they need to have that book. Amen. I just, uh, I had a fourth edition. I just got a fifth edition. One of my lieutenants is reading fourth edition and I got a brand new captain who just came on my shift and I gave him fifth edition. I said, here, so go anyway. Um, I got this one. I like this one before I go to bed at the station, Tom Brennan's, random uh, random thoughts. I, I, I kind of equate it like it's the, I mean, it's just got tons of just short little articles. It's all of his stuff that he wrote. Um, and I treasure that book. So it, I read that before I go to bed. I just pick one and, and normally go through that, stay up with that. Um, I got two more. Go and, ahead. And here's the deal. We got enough Jocko books. We got enough, like, you know, Billy Badass books. I'm going to go a little soft on you. I'm sorry, but the fire service needs it. Love it does. Yeah. It's by, the first. I've not seen it, so. By Bob Goff. I'm telling you right now, like, your, for your family, for, for – uh, um, the, the business we do, like it, it, it's pretty, pretty interesting. He's got some great stories of, um, and it's, it's kind of a trip. Like in the back of the book, he puts his, his phone number. Oh, really? Like that's the kind of guy this guy is. Like he's, you know, when we talk about that yes mentality, like it comes from some of this stuff. So there's wow. some things you can glean from that, um, <clears throat> from that book. Um, but I would check out Bob Goff's. And then last book, um, this one's going to trip you out. The book, the book of joy, of, the book of joy. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so here's the deal. Uh, it, it hasn't always been perfect. Like there's been some days that I come home and I'm pretty grumpy and I've lost a little bit of that spark. And luckily um, the missus kind of is in tune to that, but we all need that. Like you got to figure that part out. And this book is awesome. And if, if the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, if they can be lighthearted and um, 
and find joy in the little things, you know. Um, one of the things in here, the Dalai Lama, he, he goes to meet some guy, and the guy's got this big beard, right? And he walks up and he just starts petting it. <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, just odd, funny, weird stuff, you know. And so it is about kind of finding that joy because I can tell you this much. The, the fire service will rob that if you're not careful. It can be the best thing in the world and it can be the worst thing. And I've had it be both things. Um, and you got to be careful of that because you should be a husband or a wife, you know, or a partner first and those kind of things, uh, and, and a father and a, and a mother and those, you know, before some of these other things. So just be careful of that. But I, for, for me, this thing was, it's a great book. Well, awesome, man. I have two more to add to my list of, uh, that must be read that I'm falling so far behind on. So, <laughs> Awesome. Uh, all right. We have a thing we do every week on the weekly scrap. It is the five questions for firefighters. And so chief Garrett rice, are you ready for firehouse vigilance weekly scrap? Five questions for firefighters. Sure. Everything about them is completely your opinion. The points are arbitrary. So here we go. And they're assigned by me, by the way, we should have a buzzer. I, it would actually be really cool. I might, I might actually, uh, see. Send we need a firehouse some, vigilance buzzer. Some How special cool that effects. Is. <laughs> that's outside the budget all right five questions for firefighters number one what is the number one issue facing the modern fire service mm. I'd, I'd give two uh i'm gonna go back to balance you know our leadership and i'm talking all over with the american fire service needs to find that balance i'm tired of the yo-yo when when things come out when a white paper comes out and we yo-yo from one side to the next like, you know, this is the problem with UL. UL does all of this great work and all of this scientific research, and then the fire service just fights it and, and doesn't know how to implement it, doesn't know how to go, okay, well, I took this experiment. How do I make it? How does this apply to our organization? How does this apply to our operations? What ends up happening is you get, like, an acronym or something that comes out of that, and then everybody fights it, and they miss the whole point. They, and, again, it's that pendulum swing. And so I would, I would say balance. And then the second one is, and it's a critical one is relevance. And, and it's, if you ask me my greatest fear, I would, I would say becoming irrelevant. And so we have a lot of folks in this business, um, by nature, like that just came into the job probably after the greatest generation kind of thing or the, or the boomers. Right. And they just did it. They just, they, that old kind of, you know, sweat equity, just get in there and get it done. The problem is the generation that's coming up is going to ask questions and they've got one of these things, right? So they don't have to have an encyclopedia and a dictionary and a Dewey decimal system and all of the other things that we had to have, none of the books or any of that, they can just Google it. And so what ends up happening is if you want to be an effective leader, uh, you know, say an officer, like you got to be competent. And there's some people that are, are tuned up in this social media thing and the interwebs has connected so many people um, that the, the, the uptake's a little faster, you oh, know? Yeah. Um, so I just say those two things, balance and relevance. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I especially like the balance answer and the relevance. Like you, as a leader nowadays, you got to be able to explain why. And that goes right back into that competence. Because um, you can't just say, because I said so anymore. No. Or if, if you if you try to use the because I said so, you get relegated pretty quickly. Yeah, you say something and all of a sudden you see phones go up, know that, that, that they're <laughs> back-checking you. Yeah. 
about to find out the truth of the matter. Awesome. Awesome answer. Again, I will give Max points for question one. All right, number two. What is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Um, I think it's interesting. Um, and again, it's, it's a little bit of that pendulum swing. So, um, you know, I've been watching uh, Brush put out those uh, rescues, you know, and, and you got to back that up to like Nick Ladine and all the, and I don't know all the guys, I'm, I'm going to misquote that, that did the firefighter uh, rescue survey and all that stuff that went into that. But, you know, Enfers does such a crappy job of documenting that. And that was a discussion I had with Nick while at UL one night uh, down in the lobby. Those are the reasons why you go to these things, go to conferences, because you're going to have those, those stories and those things. But those guys were discussing that and, and figuring out how the heck can we start documenting this? And then Brian puts that stuff out today. Right. And so while we focused on, wow, there's, you know, three, 3,000, 3,500 every year that, that right. die in single family dwellings. That's not the story. Right. The 102 like, in the first 10 days that he put out. The yeah, day, like, that, yeah. That's yes. it. There. So that's what I'm hopeful for. You know, that's that we will come for you. That's making good on that promise. And I think, you know, we're, we're bad at storytelling and, and firefighters, um, you know, large in part don't want to take credit. And so I think that's where the leadership, those of us that are, that are in those uh, ranks, you know, when something like that happens in your city, you need to publish that stuff. Yes. Uh, we had, we had, you know, four tuned up, you know, people that went out today on a, a piece of equipment and saved somebody's life, you know, and you got to start putting those things out there so that we have a, you know, and maybe answers can change. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like they're getting any data that we can do anything with. Right. No. And, and, and brush is on top of that as far as you know, we're counting the wrong stuff. I mean, yeah. plain and simple. Uh, excellent. That, that phenomenal answer. Max points. Number three, best ranked position to be in in the fire service. Here's the deal. I really <laughs> like. I, I really like what I do. I got to be honest. Okay. So, but. But this is what I want to say. Like, it's it's not my position. That's not what it is. I'll just tell you, I really like where I'm at. So if, if you're asking me personally, like, I like what I'm, where I'm at, what I do. However, the best rank in the fire service is a backstep tailboard firefighter, period. And everything that, that I do and that we do better be centered around that person. I like it. Tailboard, firefighter, the guy who gets the nozzle, the guy who interacts the most. Number four, the best advice you have ever received. Mm. That's a hard one. Um, if I'm going fire service, let's just do that. because That's okay. probably easier. I go back to my, my first kind of mentor, the first guy that brought me up, Kurt Bittinger from Orange County Fire. He was uh, an explorer post, um, I don't know what they call it post advisor, I guess he's a fireman there still. I think he works out at the airport. Um, and I still talk to him this day, he's still on the job, but he told me way back when he said, if you're going to do this job, any length of time, always be a student of building construction and fire behavior. Boom, boom. That's pillars, and, man. And, and I've always tried to stay in that. Those are the two things that if a, if a new UL report comes out, it's 500 pages deep. I'm going to read it right you now. Um, and, and any of the new books that are coming out or buildings are going up, we're out walking them and, and trying to pay attention to those two things. So that hopefully awesome. I'll carry me. Dude, I love the two pillars. The two pillars, it's just impossible to argue with. Excellent. 
Uh, final question of the five, five questions for firefighters. Heavy fire and searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? It, that's an interesting question, and I hear it every every episode. And this is the interesting part. You don't put any caveats like you're on the rig. See, like for me, if okay. the first in rig shows up, it's not optional. you got a known VES, you're going to pass up that fire, and you're going to go make that grab. That's it. No offense. But like we, we exist for that. So that would be my answer. But I guess if you're saying everybody's showing up, I don't know. I, I like engine work, but I, I rode a truck for a number of years. I, I'm still going to make the grab, I think. Go for the grab. All right. Yeah. There it is. The five questions, according to Chief Garrett Rice. Uh, thank you, sir, very much for doing it. I love doing the five questions and getting the answers and running through them. Uh, so unbelievably fun interview. Best place to contact you. Book a class, reach out to you, get information, firecraft training, um, t- tell, t- tell the audience. Uh, so, yeah, we're firecraft training. You can catch a class if you want something like that. We're not really doing a whole lot right now. The, the COVIDs and the RONAs have kind of changed a lot of that, and that's okay. Um, you know, you can catch me in the colony um, or through Facebook or Instagram or whatever those things are. And you know, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. And, and uh, you know, if you reach out, I'll give you my time. You know, there was people uh, right before this thing that were saying, hey, where do I catch that thing tonight? You know, and I was answering, you know, Facebook posts. So um, I'm, I'm pretty open. If, if you need me, you can get a hold of me. Well, uh, again, thank you, audience, for all of the questions. I hope I got to most of them. Uh, Chief Garrett Rice, it was a pleasure. Um, I enjoyed this immensely. We, I got to... I think number seven out of the 13 things I had written to talk to you about. So you have to come back so we can get to the other uh, five or six that we didn't even get to touch. Uh, there's, there's too many great folks out there that you need to get on this thing. And I, I appreciate you for what you're doing. I mean, to follow behind Daryl, um, you know, last week who, who I've taken classes from uh, is, is unbelievable. It's one of those pinch me moments. So, um, and there's so many great, people out doing doing this thing so i'd say keep searching for them and and you know get those people on there i want to see hannah on here when she graduates from memphis after she gets through her, her probationary period right and then we get to throw some hardballs there we go there are, there are gonna be so many people that throw questions at hannah. it's not gonna be funny so yeah. that's the moment we're waiting for um Thank you, Chief Garrett Rice. Every week is a pinch me moment for me because I get to have unbelievable guests on. No exceptions to the current. Uh, your boss and all the way back. Coming up, and I'll just throw this at everybody, uh, <clears throat> 2021 is shaping up to be unbelievable. Uh, James Gearing is coming on here in a few days, followed by Kurt Isaacson. And then I'm taking a taking the wife to Vegas to see FD Tactics. I, I told her it was a vacation. But I'm going to go see FD Tactics guys out there. <laughs> and then, um, which it is. But, uh, and then coming back from that, Lex Shady and uh, Chris Tobin coming on to talk building construction. So it's, it's a fun time coming up. <clears throat> Other than that, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Chief, thanks for giving me your evening. Um, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it, Corley. Keep doing it, buddy. Thank you, sir. For everybody, uh, I hope the tone stays silent unless it's burning. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.